Pride Pod with James Davis. Hello, listener. Thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Abroad Pod coming at you on December 1st. I'm your host, James Davis, and with me this week will be my co-host, Alex Yalen from the Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service. Alex, how's it going? Welcome to episode 17 of the podcast. Yeah, wow. Episode 17. That's great. It's going well. How are you doing, James? Doing well. Um, Although winter is coming and it's pretty miserable. But luckily we have an interview with Patricia, who is in Mexico, to kind of show us that uh, there's more out there in the world right now than early dark nights. Um, You yourself have uh, spent a long time in Mexico. So do you have any insights that you can provide for us? Yeah, I did spend quite a few years in Mexico. And actually, Patricia is going to talk about being in Playa del Carmen. So anybody who's been to the Maya Riviera, might that name might ring a bell. So it sort of extends along Mexico's Caribbean coast from Cancun down to Tulum. And Playa del Carmen is right in the middle. And it's a big strip of big hotels and resorts and very pretty, very nice area. And I taught in a little town called Valladolid, which is in between Cancun and Merida. And it's sort of on the way to, if you're going to visit the ruins at Chichen Itza, often they stop at Valladolid for for lunch before they go to the ruins. That's a pretty little town. But while I was there, I taught for a little language school, a small family-run school. And anyone who's been to Mexico, especially as a tourist, probably remembers this. When you're on the plane, they give you your little tourist immigration card to fill out before you land. And when you pass through immigration, when you land as a tourist, they separate the card and they keep the top half of the card and they give you back the little bottom part and they say keep this together with your passport because you need to hand that back in when you leave Mexico so that acts as your little exit card for Mexico. Um, So and obviously some tourists lose them because it's just a little piece of paper it's pretty easy to lose so it does happen but in my case I didn't lose it what happened was I applied for a work visa because I was teaching at this school. And as part of that process, I was supposed to hand in the card to immigration as part of the visa process. So then I basically trade in that tourist card for my work visa. Well, the work visa never came through for some convoluted reason that I never really understood. And I only ended up teaching there for about six months. So by the time my six months was up, I still had never got my work visa, but I also now didn't have my tourist card either. Um, and I kind of had just forgotten about it um, as the months dragged on. And the school said, oh, don't worry, it's, nobody's going to know. But then, of course, as I'm finally getting ready to leave and I'm going to the airport in Cancun, at the last minute I opened my passport and I realized, oh, I don't have my tourist card anymore. And I also don't have a visa. This, okay, this is going to be interesting. So I thought maybe I'd just be able to talk my way through it. Uh, just say I lost it and it would be fine. So I got up to the front of the line in immigration and they said, where's your tourist card? And I said, oh, I lost it. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. Come with us. And they whisked me off the line. And at this point, as usual, you know, the flight's about to leave in 30 minutes and you're going, oh, no, I'm going to miss my flight. I don't have anywhere to stay. I don't have extra money for this. So they pulled me into the deep into the airport into some scary like windowless room and uh, sit me down and there's just a desk and a clock. And you, so you're just staring at the clock going, oh no, and you're watching the minutes tick. And you're like, oh, I'm not gonna make this flight. And so the guy comes in and he sits down. And at that point, like I hadn't been in Mexico that long. My Spanish was so-so. So if someone was speaking slowly, I could get like 40 to 60%, but if they're speaking quickly, I wouldn't get that much. So he sits down, he says, well, he, he 
goes into a long spiel about what a big problem this is and and how serious this is and it's a serious offense and all these things. And so he starts to detail, he's like, you've basically got two options. The first option is, and he gives some long explanation of well, all the things I have to do and I don't really understand that much of it and pay some fine. And he's like, or the second option is, and he gives me the second option where I just basically give him some cash and he kind of makes this problem magically disappear. But because I was so nervous and I was watching the clock and my brain wasn't really functioning well and I didn't understand all the language. So I kept asking him to repeat the options because I wasn't getting what he was trying to say. So I said, could you really say that again? So he said it all again and said it like a third time. And I was still sort of not sure. And then he started this thing where he, he put his hands flat on the desk. Like he didn't slap the desk, but he kind of dropped both his arms on the desk and basically said, look, if you give me 500 pesos right now in cash, I'll fix this problem for you. And I realized, oh, it's a bribe. <laughs> he just wants cash and he's going to make this happen. So I fish around my pocket and luckily I had 500 pesos still. So I, I put it on the desk. And then I remember when I realized, oh, I think this is definitely a bribe. Was he did this move where I put the bill on the desk and he already had both his hands like sitting flat on the desk. So he just sort of covered the bill. He just slid one hand over, covered it, and then he slid both his hands back off the back of the desk. And the bill just kind of like slipped into some little secret drawer he had in his desk. So if you were watching, you wouldn't even have noticed it happening. Like you wouldn't have noticed him ever accepting any money. So when I saw him do this slick, like almost magician trick where he just made this bill disappear, I was like, oh, this is definitely, this is probably what he's doing all day long. Like he's a pro, he's got this down. So yeah, he just pulled out some piece of paper, scribbled something on it. I signed it, we dated it. I ran back to the line, showed it to immigration. They waved me through and I made the flight. So I think I paid a bribe. I might've paid a bribe. I don't know. I'm no expert, Alex, but you definitely paid a bribe. Uh, but at least it wasn't a big one. What's that, like 20 bucks, something like that? Yeah, depending on the exchange rate. Yeah, 20, 30 maybe, yeah. That seems so, like a good deal to me. I would take that deal. Yeah, I'm I didn't feel like I had much choice at that point. So <laughs> even if it's morally not justifiable in, in practice sometimes. Hopefully, um, you know, Patricia has not run into these kind of shenanigans. I'm sure she is doing everything by the book and we will hear more from her shortly. Uh, but first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 20 years, and you could be next. Their comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. For a limited time, you can call 1-800-779-1779 or visit OxfordSeminars.com and get $200 off any Zoom course when paying in full. Now back to the show. It is my great pleasure to welcome back uh, Patricia Perso to the podcast. In addition to being a guest on one of, if not our most popular podcast episode so far, Patricia has earned a social services diploma an honors bachelor's of applied science degree. She worked for a number of years in the social services field before moving to South Korea in 2018, where she worked as a public school English teacher 
Patricia is recently taking up a new teaching position in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and we are very excited to hear all about it. Patricia, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. It is our pleasure. Um, So you've very recently relocated to Mexico. Um, First thing, how was traveling there uh, with all the restrictions and stuff at the moment? Um, it's a little bit different. Well, not a little bit, a lot <laughs> different than uh, Korea, because for one thing, the, the flight's shorter for me than, from, than in Korea. So about a three, four hour flight. Um, I think less restrictions in Mexico than in Korea. So it's a, I feel like it's a lot more relaxed. And uh, what drew you to Mexico for your next teaching adventure? Was it a country you'd been planning on visiting on your radar for a while? Or was it the job that drew you there? I've always been interested in the culture, so I've traveled a lot in the area. And then um, I, I saw that Mexico has been open. And then, I mean, I really like the food and the culture. So I, I wanted to get to explore it a, a lot more. So that's what ended up drawing me to Mexico. How's it going so far? So far, so good. I've been here six weeks, so I'm so new to it. In Korea, I was there for three years. So I'm in that new routine, getting used to a new area, um, you know, learning my way around, getting used to the culture, trying to learn Spanish all at once, but, you know, slowly but surely. I imagine you're not really missing Canada right now. As <laughs> the weather gets worse, the nights get darker. You must feel pretty good about that decision right now. Yes, because nowhere in, in November in Canada would I have been in, like, get to wear summer clothes. So this is a dream for me, getting to be around nice weather and and being around sunshine stuff, it's been really, really a fun experience. Is it your first time in Mexico? No, this is my, my second. I came here about 10 years ago on a, a group tour, and it was actually also Playa del Carmen. So I don't know any other places in Mexico except for here. How would you compare so far uh, teaching in Mexico to South Korea? I think a, a lot of things are, are different. Also, the, the age group I teach is different because in, in Korea, I taught middle school and it was a public school. And now I'm in a, a private bilingual school and um, I'm a homeroom teacher for grades three and four. So a lot younger, a lot different, um, a lot busier too. And uh, how about the students? It's, students are, are also, they're younger, they're, have a lot of energy because this is my first time teaching elementary school. So, so I guess I have to get used to, uh, you know, they're, they're energetic, they're curious, you know, it's, it's always busy. Um, the level of the students is pretty different too because uh, not everyone that I'm teaching are, are from Mexico. There's people who are actually living here like um, with parents from, from America. So actual native English speakers. So it's really different. And I, I see some people from, from different countries too. We have a Canadian girl, um, someone who's from Haiti. Like it, it's very different. Whereas in, in Korea, you know, everyone was Korean, spoke Korean. So it's a, it's a little bit more diverse here. And I guess, you know, you're in Playa del Carmen. That's kind of a very popular, popular tourist destination. So mm-hmm. is that the kind of English you're teaching more for, for people wanting to work in the tourism industry? Um, so far, I haven't experienced that as much, um, actually, in a way, informally, because the, the teachers in my, my school, they actually want to just improve their vocabulary. So I ended up, I end up, uh, we have a lot of co- good conversations, and 
I, I have a, a limited amount of Spanish, so I think that I learn and then they learn, so it ends up being really good. Have you noticed a difference in your students, like between South Korea and Mexico, in terms of their motivation and maybe like the family pressures to learn English? Um, I, I believe so, because in in Korea, I feel like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pressure like a pressure to do well in English because a lot of them go to to like a hagwon after after school like they go to school after school we're here you know they go to school and then they go home but I don't think there's such a so much of an importance here I think unless it's with something where they want to work in tourism later on whereas in in Korea I had the experience where some people said that they want to go abroad so they were trying really hard to learn English so they can they can go abroad in the future and also, the middle school students that I taught in Korea, they were already worried about, you know, university and what they're going to do after university, what kind of career they're going to choose. So they think a lot more for their future, I find, in Korea. Is it a big school where you're teaching now? How many teachers are there? Um, there's maybe about 15 or so. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's a lot smaller and the class sizes are smaller. And then there's maybe about... Uh, up to 15 kids in class. So it's a lot of a, it's a smaller, smaller size. And in Korea, I think I had up to maybe 25 in class, like a full class. And as a teacher, are you doing some of the same types of activities that you did in Korea or are you doing totally different stuff or sort of a mix? In, in Korea, I did a lot more of the like PowerPoint presentations, whereas this, this school that I teach as a private school and they use the, um, Oxford learning books. So that's what they tend to go off of. It's a lot of uh, a lot of textbook work. And then they also do a lot of online work. So they do a lot of, um, they have to participate in like uh, work on the app, like applications, and they have homework that's online on an app. So it's a, it's a, I think the criteria is different, but I think it's good for me to learn different styles and, and uh, different ways to teach because I think that it's actually helping me to expand. So um, last time we spoke to you, Patricia, we, we talked about all of the benefits of, of working in Korea. One mm -hmm. of them being the, the money is very good. It's often what draws people there. So um, what's it been like living in Mexico where, you know, the cost of living is a little bit lower. However, so is the salary. How have you found that adjustment? It's, it's been, it's definitely been an adjustment, not, not so much in a negative way, but I think it's more that I have to be a lot more aware of my spending habits. And, and that part of it is, is, you know, that's something I have to be aware of. Um, another benefit about living here is that I really love the food. <laughs> the food is also like, um, you know, it's also a low, lower price for food, but also, you know, the salary here is lower. So I guess it kind of balances out also. And, um, Perhaps one of my biggest my my biggest enjoyments of living here has been the nice weather, and I guess I have to say that because I know it, it, it's winter in Canada, so it's it's been a good highlight living here. Yeah, it's not even five p.m. local time here, and you can see how dark my <laughs> my room is getting. Um, but let yeah let's let's not dwell on that because I I will end up going to Mexico uh, anytime. <laughs> But let's talk about something that you just mentioned, Mexican food. What has been the highlight so far? Um, that is, I think, well, I mean, I know everyone knows uh, Mexico's famous for tacos, which I mean, I can't get a, enough of that. But little by little, I'm learning, 
I'm learning different foods here because also the teachers from the school, sometimes we go out, usually on a Friday, we'll say, oh, it's Friday, let's go, let's try this and this type of food. But uh, I haven't expanded so much on my food because uh, I tend to like a dish and then keep going back to it. And the food here is just so good. I mean, I, I don't think I've had anything that tasted bad because everything just tastes so amazing here. <laughs> Do you have any restaurant recommendations? Huh. So far, no, but I actually, there's one, we went to uh, Puerto Morelos, which is like halfway between Cancun and Playa del Carmen. And they have so many restaurants that they fresh, they get, have like freshly caught fish. So you can go there and get like fish tacos, like fresh fish tacos. And it's like right on the beach, but there's a whole bunch of restaurants in that area. Do you think living in a more touristy area has its advantages in terms of, of restaurants and things or? Um, have the have your like co-teachers been kind of keeping you away from the the touristy traps yeah so far I actually haven't tried any of the uh any of the food from the touristy places because I mean I've compared the prices so after I started off with the local food and then I see how much the tourist food costs, like oh I'm not gonna pay that I can go over to like this local uh place to eat so so that's (laughs) that's been one thing what about during uh, the pandemic? Have you noticed that it's more difficult life around town or is sort of, sort of business as usual? It's sort of business as usual, I feel, because I, I guess because I, I, I'm transitioning from coming from Korea and then Korea was pretty strict where you have to, you know, sign in with a QR code or and check, get your temperature checked. And in Mexico, so far, my experience has been, you know, they'll check your temperature, but not every restaurant you go to and you don't need to sign in anything. So I think that's a lot more relaxed here. And it's I mean, which can be good and and not so good in some cases. And do you have any plans for um, your family or friends to come visit you and do some trips around the region? I hope some, I hope they will visit me. I live actually right near the tourist area. Um, I have a friend that's coming, coming here on her own, but we, since I live near in the area, we're going to have to meet up and, you know, I hope that maybe my family and friends can come and visit because I, I think the location of where I am is really good to go around and see different places. So fingers crossed. Yeah. When I lived in the Yucatan, that was a nice, it was a nice draw because people wanted to come already. So the mm-hmm. fact that I was already there was just like an added bonus, I felt. So far, when, when I said I was, I was moving to Mexico, some people are saying, oh, I'll visit. But when I said I'm moving to South Korea, they're like, oh, that's so far. <laughs> so Mexico is definitely a lot closer to Canada. I think it's a lot more doable than, than South Korea. Yeah, there's something about not having to fly over an ocean that just psychologically it feels a lot closer. Yes. And also the same time difference. I'm in the same time difference as, as in Toronto. So which has been like awesome because I don't have to do like these uh, strange times to do calls with my family, like the middle of the night or really early in the morning. So it's been nice. Reminds me of what my mom said to me when I was uh, first going to Korea. She's like, oh, South Korea, that's very nice. But have you thought about Spain? no mom I didn't think about Spain I'm sorry that you're not getting a free holiday Um, (laughs) but oh it's fantastic it's nice though when you do have that enthusiasm though because you know having people to come and visit it does break up break up things because you know you're you're people may forget you're there you're there doing a job you're there to work so yes um that's fantastic um and 
So again, I don't want to harp on too much about the tourist thing, but however, is there a lot to see and do uh, because of that? Yeah, there, there's a lot to actually, um, there's a lot to actually do, but because, because I'm working and not on, on vacation, I feel like I haven't had a chance to really explore. Like I haven't been to Chichen Itza or Tulum or, or anything like that yet, but um, I'm trying to do a little bit like uh, some of the theme parks. I've been to one and, and I'll try to go to something little by little. So that's a little bit of a hard thing because it, it, you know, you come to live there, but you're not on vacation there. You're actually working, going to work and coming home. So, so far the things I've done is, you know, maybe go to the beach because I, I live about 10 minutes away from the beach, just walking distance and like walking around and seeing some stuff. But I, I definitely hope to do all the bigger stuff later. You made a really quick transition, like a really good, effective transition from one teaching position to another. Do you have any recommendations for teachers who, who might be looking to transition from one teaching position to their next one? I think like you should, you should keep your options open and like, and, and I think explore like options from before also, because I mean, as you know, I, I, I always message the teacher placement service because I wanted to know what was out there and what are the trends. And I think like at different times, things change, especially now during this time, like, uh, like one country might be opened up and one might not be. So I, I think it's good to sort of plan ahead a few months just to, to get a feel because I think um, you, like you never know, you, some, some people have a, some of the transitions might not go as fast. And and might be out of a job for too long. So uh, that was one of my fears. So that's why I was constantly trying to look for something. Um, so do you have an initial plan for how long you want to be in Mexico? I think um, I think in, in Playa, maybe until next year. And then after that, I think I'm gonna explore some options. It's a, like a really great city. It's fun, it's, uh, there's a lot to do, but I think it's different. Uh, I think visiting, visiting as a tourist and living in the tourist place. So, so I think I would want something a little bit more quieter, less touristy, but just not as, as like a really loud place, something that's more relaxed. Um, and you're, you're there obviously as a language teacher, but what about as a language learner? Is Spanish a language that you already speak or are you going to try to take some lessons? Um, yeah, so I've, I've learned from a little bit from, uh, from, traveling a lot and then I actually have a lot of friends in Latin America I've taken a few courses I feel that I'm still at a beginner level but my understanding is really good so even in the school I'm the only one that doesn't speak Spanish but I they know that I understand a lot so they actually now start saying stuff to me in Spanish because they know I understand but um, I, I need to get practice in speaking so so that's one one thing I, I'm definitely going to work on I've been scoping out language classes but so far, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but yeah, I think I think I will. I will learn. How did you do? How did you do it, Alex? Just out of interest. <laughs> uh, little by little, I'd say. Um, but immersion, living in an immersion context was really what got me to the next level. So like I started taking classes and taking little courses, but then it was really when I started living in Mexico and being immersed in the language and the culture, that's when things really started to, I noticed my level, oh, I was starting to break through to that next level. Mm -hmm. And just, especially you, like you're, you're in a tourist city, but you're living there, you're working there. 
So depending on what you're doing day to day, you can really be pretty immersed in Spanish, you know, despite yeah. the tourism, right? Mm -hmm. So it's great because you can practice lots. And I also just got into active listening. Like I would just try to really actively listen rather than mm. passively listen and sort of focus on what the people around me were saying and how they were using the language. And then right. kind of, I was trying to learn like a child, like listening to mom and dad and just repeating. Okay. Yeah. Ah, those are some tips for me. <laughs> so, um, Patricia, you are a repeat guest, one of very few repeat guests we've had on the, on the podcast. So, um, we always have the big final question to ask our guests. However, you've done it. You've answered it. So we have had to come up with a new one. And, you know, you're <laughs> no pressure on you, but you are in the, like, don't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the perfect position to answer this question now because, um, you know, unlike a lot of people, you, you now onto your second destination. You know, mm -hmm. you've taken that plunge. Um, so with that in mind, you know, the two, two cultures that you have taught in, um, how do new teachers make the most of their experience overseas? I think, I think, um, I think it's taking it day by day and week by week, which is one thing because even for, for Mexico, although I taught in Korea before, I knew what to keep in mind. And then I have to remember this again, that it's going to be so overwhelming and new in the beginning, it's going to be different systems, different neighborhoods, different, you know, job responsibilities and coworkers. And I think it's that you have to not just look at it all at once. I think you just have to get through the day. I, I now I'm saying get through the week. Okay, I made it through this week and then get through the next week. And I think that's what's really helped me because the first few weeks of there is really overwhelming because I was starting a new job. But now it's been six weeks and I hope, you know, little by little it gets better. So I think that that's how you have to look at it. It's just like take it one step at a time. It's not possible to learn everything at once. Like it's not only just a job and the responsibility. Like you have to learn the culture, the language, you know, the neighborhood. Uh, where do you do your grocery shopping? Where do you pay a bill? Like certain things like you, I think it's a lot of information. So you just need to take it little by little. Wow. I really ramped that up and it was worth it. That was a fantastic answer. Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> yeah, bravo. I apologize if anyone can hear my four-legged friend in the background. He is, yeah, there he is. He's adding, he's adding to it, you know. <laughs> uh, he liked just... that question and he really liked that answer. Yeah. <laughs> he approved. <laughs> so um, before he ruins the recording, uh, I just want to say thank you so much, Patricia, for talking to us today. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we wish you the best of luck on your adventures in Mexico. Thank you for having me again. I've been so lucky to be featured on it twice, but I've really enjoyed our conversations. And, and yeah, I, I hope next destination again, I'll, I'll get to speak again. <laughs> and thanks again so much to Patricia for uh, taking the time to speak to us the other day. It was so great to speak to her again, and I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time we speak to her. Um, Alex, before we wrap up today, um, do you have a JPS update for us? Sure. We're talking about escaping the winter blahs and escaping to sunny Mexico. So Mexico, uh, in truly sort of unique Mexican fashion, they've adopted this sort of laid-back approach to COVID travel restrictions, I kind of think of it as play at your own risk. That's sort of my take on a lot of Mexican uh, 
legal, you know, official uh, measures. So uh, basically no quarantine in place for visitors, uh, no negative COVID tests required upon entry. So Mexico has sort of continued to offer travelers and teachers a pretty hassle-free access to, to its sun and its beaches and its vacation spots uh, during the COVID pandemic. Um, in terms of specifically teaching opportunities, uh, Mexico does have a big range of options, private language schools, uh, private international schools, K-12 schools, public universities where I taught, uh, there's short-term internships uh, with paid housing, there's volunteer opportunities, pretty much everything in between. And another thing that I think might be popular is the rise of teaching online, teaching English online from a remote, remote location. So I think we might see more people just choosing to live in Mexico and teach online from Mexico, and especially over the winter, it actually doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. So even though Mexico doesn't boast some of the higher teaching salaries of the Middle East or parts of East Asia, uh, it does offer a lot of non-monetary rewards and great experiences, life experience, experiences, and it's an exciting and dynamic uh, nation. So uh, whether it's for a vacation or as a teaching destination, I would say for 2022, keep uh, Mexico on your list. I definitely will. And I will not lose my little card either. Yeah. Uh, that is there's a workaround for that yes a workaround <laughs> wink wink <laughs> um so thank you so much alex uh for uh, giving us that update uh, thanks again to patricia for speaking to us and thank you listener for tuning in to the teaching abroad pod we'll be releasing new episodes every other wednesday if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to like and subscribe and share it with your friends Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, anywhere you can find a good podcast. If you have any ideas for us, please do get in touch. Leave them in the comments on YouTube or um, send us a message at Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Failing that, you can email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. Have a great day.